All right, Tom. We welcome a new member to our group here, Jesse. Um, Jesse has a question on authority and non-physical management team and consequently free will, I think. Uh, if you would like to read your question, Jesse, you're welcome to. Sure. Hi, Tom. It's an honor to speak with you, and thanks for all the heavy lifting you've been doing on the planet here. So my question is, uh, in MBT perspective, is there such a concept as authority? I So yeah, then I go on to say, I personally don't like the idea of someone having dominion over me and my life decisions. Tom, you've described this management system in the non-physical, and it seems to me I don't have a choice in the non-physical. If I choose not to participate in physical reality, I simply cease to exist. I am a parent, and I go on to say I'm a parent, and I understand uh, okay, so I'll just uh, say it in in other another way. So I, you know, I kind of have bits of information information from you that give me an understanding of this question, and I kind of refreshed on some of your videos. But um, I think you've mentioned in the past, like the 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 death experience as you transition to another free will awareness unit there's like some sort of higher authority that manages this system. And it's like, if I don't participate, I basically, I'll lower in, in quality and, you know, I'll, the, I eventually won't be played anymore. So I, maybe you can speak to that and then I'll comment see, after seeing what you say. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, of course there's authority. And yes, of course, you always have free will. Okay. It's a, and you mentioned about being a parent. Yes, of course, when you have young children, they need some authority because they don't make good decisions on their own. So somebody has to say, don't play in the street, children, and maybe lock the gate to make sure they don't while you're not watching them and so on. Uh, authority is necessary, but you still have free will, you see. Um, that's not, that doesn't take anything away from you. As long as you have free will, you get to make these decisions. Now you could look at yourself. You have free will as to whether or not you're going to eat. You can make a decision. I'm not going to eat anything else. I'm done with eating. Takes up a lot of time. I just don't want to do that anymore. So you make that choice and you can, you have free will to make that choice, but there are consequences to choices. And one of the consequences to making the choice not to eat is that you will starve to death. Okay, so that's a choice. Now, you can't say, wow, that's really rotten. You know, I want to be able to make any choice I want. If I don't want to eat, then I just don't want to eat. And then I just want to keep on living and do fine. What is this that I'm going to die and starve to death just because I decided not to eat? Well, there are consequences to choices. That's not a downside. That's not like, wow, I don't like it that there are consequences. I'd like to do anything I want, any way I want, and I'd like that to be happy for me all the time. And I have no consequences to have to deal with. Well, life is never like that. There are always consequences. If you, after uh, your avatar dies, you have choices as to whether or not you want to have another incarnation, and if so, in what form, what type. 
but you don't know, like a child, you don't know a whole lot about how to choose. There's seven and a half billion people, and there's, I don't know how many billion babies there are at any one time, and avatars that are available for you to choose from, but you have very little insight to all of those, the what they would bring to you, what they wouldn't, what would be a good choice for you as far as the things you have to learn and what wouldn't, and so on. That's just knowledge that you don't have. So there are others that will help you and say, well, I think here would be a good fit and there would be a good fit and here's why. And if you want to question that and say, well, I'm not so sure that's a good fit, show me something else. You can do that if you want. But the fact that you are immensely ignorant as to the options available, you have to rely on other people. That's the way it is in this life. If you are lost on your way to New York City and you really don't know, you know where you are, you get out and you ask the guy at the gas station, say, hey, I'm trying to get to such and such a place. Where is that? And if he says, well, you go on up here, take the next left, then go about three miles, you'll find an interstate, you know, then head north on the interstate, you'll get there. And you don't say, oh, what a bummer. You know, I, I don't know everything myself. I have to rely on other people to give me information. Okay, Tom, Tom, can I just interject there? Sure. So I think, like, I understand in reality, physical reality, I have free will and I can make choices. And, like, I'm a parent and I understand I have to have a somewhat of authority to show my kids, like, what's safe. But I'm, I think I'm more talking in the non-physical realm. Can I just, I can't choose not to participate. Like, as a fragment of the individual unit of consciousness, like, I have to come back and I have to grow. And not, not, not the case. You can choose not to participate, just like you can choose not to eat. You can choose not to participate, and you can just not participate at all. All right, your choice. There and are then will I will I, dig, will I eventually degradate and like I like I will no longer be played? I guess you said in one, but it well, would that would be that would be to my detriment by well, not playing. Not, not well. It will be to your detriment by not playing at all because you won't have the same level of challenge and ability. But it doesn't mean you'll necessarily not be played or go away. You can do something else. There were consciousness uh, in the process of evolving for a long, long time before the idea of a virtual reality even came about. So you can get back into just doing that. It's the, you know, it's the slow path, if you like. That's the consequence. But if that's what you want to do, you can do it. It's not the, you know, you're not on the fast track anymore. The choices are all kind of vague and, and it's hard to learn, but you can do that. You're never forced to do anything, but you do have consequences. So you want to get on a slow track because that just, for some reason, you want to break. That's okay. Now, if all you do is nothing, you don't do anything. You don't connect to anybody. You don't share any data. You just go sit in a corner someplace. You will de-evolve because you're not being challenged. You don't have interactions you're not exercising your choices you will probably slowly de-evolve and lose some of the things that you have learned in that situation so it's it's 
yes, you can have that choice. You don't ever have to reincarnate back into this physical reality or some other one. You might want to try a different physical reality. You might not want to do any of them at all. Just sit out for as long as you feel like it. But what happens to most people is they sit out for a long time and suddenly they get bored. Nothing's happening. Everything is moving so slow. They don't feel challenged. They don't feel like they're, they're getting anywhere and they go looking for a game to get into. They make that free will choice. I want to get back in that game because that's where the action is. That's where the fun is. That's where I get to, you know, make these choices and see the consequences of them. So they do get back in the game, not because they have to, but because they want to. So you're okay. never forced. You're never forced. It's always a choice, but all choices have consequences. Every choice right. has a consequence. Thanks, Tom. I guess uh, the other half of that question was uh, a little different. Uh, in past videos, you spoke about this management system, and maybe, I know you don't like to get into too many details about it because it people's imaginations may be running wild, but um, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, in that non-physical, let's say, limbo, like I, I, I don't know what to call it, but in the non-physical – do they do they eat anything like this management team like like to me like they have to consume something to exist like I understand it's a computer like but go ahead no they don't have to consume anything to exist that's just not true that is a that's the way it is in this physical reality because that's the way the rule set would have it that's the way it works here but that isn't the way it works in consciousness system. It's information. Information doesn't have to eat. Information can be uh, moved. It's not like the moving requires calories and you have to eat for the energy. That's a concept that applies to this virtual reality that we're in. It's not a concept that applies to consciousness. So there is no um, you know, energy requirement there. Intent is the energy. So there's nothing, there's nothing to consume. It's not... Uh, it doesn't work like that. It's just information and information can move by intent. And that's, it, it doesn't, I know in our sense, that doesn't make sense to us because in our physical world, nothing moves unless energy is applied to it. And that energy has to come from somewhere. And that is called fuel. And either that's things we eat or it's gasoline we burn or something else. Nothing will happen without that. That is the way our physical world works. But we can't take that physical world, that virtual world, and then apply it to consciousness. It doesn't work like that. Consciousness is a different sort of system. It doesn't run on energy like physical things do here. Okay? It's, a, it's, it's about information. Information is non-physical. Physical things require energy to move them around because of the rule set. Non-physical things don't require energy to move them around. Intent is all that it takes to move information. Very hard for us to get that at a level that, that feels intuitively correct because that's not our experience here. But that isn't, that's the way it works. Okay, I guess I'll just add one more on that thread. Um, my innovated unit of consciousness 
I'm like a frat. I'm a partition piece of that as a free will awareness unit. Uh, my question is, does, does that higher self, does it like love me or does it, um, do, is it sympathetic to traumas? Like if I, if I would go and have an experience of a lifetime and then, you know, have traumas or is that, is it just indifferent to my traumas? It's like, Oh, that's just information. Thank you for that information. <laughs> You're asking me, is it emotional? Yeah. Or like empathetical or like, is it like, like a parent would be like, if my kid got hurt, I would, I guess that would be emotion, but I would be yeah. saying, Oh, you know, I, it's not like, oh, my kid had an experience. That's great. I would, I would be a little, uh, I guess, emotional. Sure. <laughs> yes. Or is it, is it just like, uh, is it just indifferent? No, it's not indifferent. But those two are not opposites. You don't have emotional, and the opposite of that is indifferent. You know, emotional is a is a characteristic, uh, you know, human thing here. And also, non physical beings. Are emotional. They can be emotional as well. Typically, what you have in a in a in a low entropy being is you have caring, you have empathy, you have compassion. Okay. That's that you get into something that's going to be detrimental to your growth. Of course, your you know individuated unit of consciousness cares because you know. You're just, uh, you know, taking steps to de-evolve it some, you know, so it cares about that. And uh, does the system care? Sure, the system cares too. That's why it'll give you nudges and synchronicity and other things to help you succeed. So the system is a caring system. It's a loving system. And it very much has empathy and, and uh, you know, compassion and caring. And it, it makes a difference. It matters. You matter. To it, absolutely. But that's a little, that's not necessarily uh, the same as maybe what you're thinking of, but it's actually better than what you're thinking of because it's not just a feeling. It runs, it runs deeper than that. But it's, a, it's the whole, it's its whole being. The choices you make affect it very much. So it, uh, it has learned like a parent learns when you're when you're a successful parent you watch your children but every time your child goes to do something you don't rush in and fix it for them you, you let them you let them experience okay they go over and they you know are playing with the rose bush and you don't say oh don't touch that it's got thorns stay away from that bush you watch them the bush isn't going to hurt them much you watch them and see and they smell the rose and they reach out and grab it and they get stuck and they might cry or move away, but that's okay. You see, they learn something, something valuable that they can't learn if you don't let them experience. So you can't, it's not helpful to them to protect them from everything. So it's the same with your larger conscious, you know, with the larger conscious system and with your individual unit of consciousness. You're not protected from everything and things don't step in the way to save you all the time because that would get in the way of your own experience and your own growth and your own learning. But it's not that they don't care. They care because your evolution is its evolution. If you de-evolve, it de-evolves a little bit too, because you're it. It's you. 
So that's the sense in which it cares. And yes, emotion is everywhere. Emotion is also in the non-physical side. And it's just not necessarily the same as you experience emotion here in this physical reality. But I think it's fair to say that it's, you know, emotion is in the non-physical as well as the physical. Thanks, Tom. All right. We'll go to the next question. Um, I know you have a few more questions, Jesse, and we'll try to incorporate those as we go along. Uh, for the time being, Greg, you've got a couple of questions. If you'd like to read yours or if you would like me to read them, either way. Sure, I'll read them. Okay. So uh, one question I had, uh, what I felt like that my most recent attempts to live from the being level and be a better person actually didn't play out so well. Um, I was at one point feeling like I was in a good place with less ego than usual. And that, you know, I had kind of evolved along some and was going to make some good choices. And I, I also felt that the system was kind of nudging me along and helping me like every, everything seemed to be going along the way it, it uh, it should. And uh, mm-hmm. I asked uh, specifically, you know, how can I, how can I be of the best service? How can I live more productively from the bigger picture, et cetera, et cetera. And then as I went along with those ideas, uh, it just didn't work out very well at all. And it, in fact, it almost seemed like the system had been encouraging me, like kind of pulled the rug out from under me in a little bit. And uh, I'm not exactly sure like what the big lesson there was. I mean, you know, I'm sure maybe something was my fault at some point, but <laughs> I just wanted to hear your opinions on that okay. kind of sequence in general. Okay, what happens uh, much of the time, and probably is what happened to you, but maybe yours is different. Well, you can tell me more about it later if this doesn't fit. But people can get out of balance with too much emphasis on the non-physical, too much emphasis on what they're doing, how they're approaching it and so on to where they let go of other people. They let go of other things. They kind of uh, insulate themselves. And now it's, it's mostly about them. And of course about them is about, you know, they want to grow. They want to do the right thing. They want to maximize their stuff, but you can let that go to the point where everything's about you and you're planning and you're growing up and you kind of let the rest of the world drift you're no longer really integrated into the rest of the world. You're kind of floating along beside it, but you're not really taking part in it so much. You are uh, aloof. You're detached. Okay? It's great to be detached from your ego, but it's not great to be detached from all the rest of your reality. Okay? The rest of your reality is very important. Remember, it's about others being connected to others and you kind of lose that connection to others. If you kind of detach from the physical stuff altogether, you kind of stay in a more rarefied uh, spiritual space and you're more concerned with your own being and how you see things. And it's like too much of a good thing can be not so good a thing. Uh, that happens to people who go overboard into meditation or reflection 
and pretty soon their whole reality is wadded up in their reflection and their meditation and you know reflection on their reflection on their reflection and they let go of other people they let go of of caring they let go of helping they let go of being there uh for those others they just kind of float above all that well i'm really disconnected from all that physical stuff going on and it just it's kind of you know i'm above that now and i'm not uh, into that uh, physical petty ego driven world and i'm floating up here beyond that unpleasant stuff and that's really not the right thing the idea isn't to escape the idea is to be helpful to be connected to make choices uh you know loving choices about other and that may be it i don't know whether that's your particular your particular thing or not but that happens to a lot of people who are on a spiritual path they end up disassociating from the rest of their physical reality and they float above it it's not that they are condescending or anything they just have detached from it and that world full of ego and fear that's like it's sticky goo and they just don't want to get any of that on them you know why should they get into all that sticky fear and ego goo when they can just kind of float up here in this nice space and stay away from all that well that's really not what it's all about it's not about you you know uh, floating off above all the all the uh, ego and fear that's in your environment it's you interacting with that environment and making good choices being helpful and useful and being able to maintain your spiritual quality maintain your lack of fear and ego in that world of fear and ego because that's how you become a light that shines and other people get it other people see you you are uh, um you know you're helping other people grow up just by being there with them and by being there with them i mean right in their ego and their fear and the rest of it you're being there with them but you're different you're a bright light that gives people hope it gives you know it's if you're just a, if you're there and you're this bright light but you're not really connected you're not anywhere where they can really see it you're just off in your own world you're not being some, you know, you're not really being that helpful. It's morally, it's more about you than it is about anybody else. And then that starts turning into ego trying very hard to disown itself. And that can be in a, you can kind of get wrapped up into that. And then what you need is to get slapped back into that real world and say, here's where you belong. This is where you need to function. You need to be spiritual you need to be without fear and ego in this environment because that's how you're helpful to other people not kind of float off above everything else and uh, not get yourself dirtied by the fear and ego of the masses who just don't understand yet see so that may be part of what your problem is it's a very typical problem for people who take spirituality seriously like you do and uh, you have to sometimes it brought back to the fact that you're in this reality for a purpose you're not here to escape from it you're here to interact with it and by that interaction help other people so so uh what you're saying definitely resonates with me a lot and i think that's that's a big part of what's going on um but at the same time part of my question uh uh i feel like the way that things have gone recently for me i i was kind of realizing some of what you're saying 
and I, I was trying to, trying to re-engage. And when, mm-hmm. when I was asking the system, you know, how do I get back out there? How do I, how do I get into doing something good? I did get smacked down back into a place where here now I'm in some stuff I don't like and I have to deal with it. But right. it, I, what I was asking for was I was like, okay, it's fine if I'm back, back into the physical world, but I want to be in a position where I feel like I'm doing something useful instead of just being in like a, what seems like a waste of a time situation. Yes. Well, one of the things you might consider is that it's not so much being useful isn't so much graded on what you do as it is on what you are. You're useful just by being a more enlightened person in the sea of fear and ego. That's really useful all by itself. It's not that you really have to go out and save the orphans or the whales or, you know, help little old ladies across the street all the time. I mean, as those things come to you, yes, you should do them. You know, those are those are significant things to do. You should act in a way that's that's helpful and giving. But you also have to act in a way that pays your mortgage, that uh, takes care of your family and that does all those other things, too. You know, that's also part of what you have to do. So don't devalue just your own growth, your own spiritual quality, just that it exists. That's valuable to others in a way that is maybe not so direct, but it affects everybody you come in contact with. Remember, we're all connected. And those, those calm vibes, that peace, that caring that you have, that rubs off on other people. You help bring them up. Even if you can't see it directly, it's, it's there. So don't undervalue the, the value of just being grown up as opposed to, you know, helping little old ladies across the street and, you know, saving something. It's not so much what you do as what you are that's important. And when you ask that system, yeah, I need to get back in it, that's just about the time you step in this puddle and it splashes mud all over you. And it's like, yep, I'm back in it. All right, now how am I going to deal with this that's, that's going to be a credit to my, you know, to my uh, uh, bigger picture? to my uh, you know, lesser entropy? How, how do I deal with all of this? Do I get frustrated with it and uh, you know, get my, my ego back, back attached to it? No, don't do that. Okay, so that's a kind of a test too. It's easy to float up above it all disassociated. That's an easy thing to do. It's easy to go uh, you know, find a cave someplace and go in there and meditate for a decade. That's not a hard thing to do. It's hard to maintain that same quality of spirituality while you're being, you know, knocked around on a busy street and people are, you know, being rude to you. That's a lot harder thing now to maintain that spiritual quality in that environment. So take the bigger challenge, you'll grow faster than the easier challenge, which is just to float above it all. That's why I say, you know, we have to stay balanced and we're here for a reason. And uh, it's not to kind of absolve ourselves from all the nasty fear and ego that's all around us and floating a little bubble above it. And we can do that. And that's probably better than being full of fear and ego ourselves, but it's not the optimal, it's not the optimal path for getting the most out of why we're, why we're here. Now I'm very much in, I'm very much again, I'm very much out of line with a lot of religious practices that would disagree with me because they think the thing to do 
is to work yourself out of that. And once you're out of it, you're done with it. You know, you float above it and good for you that you don't have to be in that, that soup anymore. But uh, I don't see it that way at all. That soup is where you belong and you need to be it in that soup, not just floating above it. That way you are actually valuable to other people in the optimum way. So we're not here to escape it. We're here to engage it and engage it in such a way that we help it, that we improve it. Thank you. That helps a lot, actually. Greg, you had a second question, if you wanted to incorporate that in. Yes. Uh, so I have another question, uh, uh, somewhat unrelated. But uh, so Ingeborg started off asking about a certain spiritual tradition and how it kind of relates to MBT. I also have a question about uh, a somewhat of a different model fitting in. So uh, some traditions have a thing called the future magical self. And I've also heard it called the holy guardian angel. And what these entities are in these traditions, it's basically like a higher self, or I suppose it would be like your IUOC maybe. But um, the twist is, is that when people interact with this entity, they later, they later on find out that that entity is them in the future. So kind of like they go in the future and time travel back to help themselves. And uh, so the reason I ask you about this is because there's a connection here with Bob Monroe, the, uh, a big like story arc of his uh, his trilogy fits that uh, very well with the experiences he had, and then uh, I don't see how MBT directly on the surface how that fits in though. So I was hoping you could you could speak to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, let me let me speak a little bit as to why that uh, idea comes about. Okay, there there are the, the larger conscious system itself. Your uh, you know, your, your, your guides, if you will, uh, whatever, are helpful to you. Okay, the system is helpful to you in whichever way it can be. Now, when you encounter this, this helpful force, this, this helpful beings, if you will, you encounter them and you get the idea that it's really about you. Okay, and it is about you. You know, this help is there just specifically for you. It's not just a general help that you kind of tap into, but it's specific for you. And at that point, people have a hard time with the idea that this massive larger consciousness system with all the things it does and whatever is really paying attention to you. Uh, that seems to be kind of incredible. That is the way it is, but it seems incredible to people. And one of the ways they deal with that incredibility is to say, well, who would actually be really interested in me to that extent? Well, it would be me. I'm the one that's interested in me uh, most of all. And anything that's really interested in me, well, is a good, a good logic sense to that, that that's me too. But yet here I am. I'm kind of dumb and don't know what's going on. And I've got all this fear and ego. I'm, you know, like I'm struggling down in the mud. And this being seems to be so much more uh, wiser and smarter and more competent and so on than I am. So obviously it's not me, but if it's interested just in me, if it's like I'm picked out of this personally for this, then it must be a 
future me, because in the future, I'm going to be like that. So it's a future me. So you see, that's kind of the way the thinking goes with this. And I think why people and, and uh, people in different cultures get into this idea of the higher self, the future them that is much more grown and wiser, uh, helping them in particular to grow up and to make better decisions. And it just fits nice, you know, when you're out trying to make metaphors and trying to make models of things that seem to work and seem to make sense. Well, there's a model that, that does work because you do get this help and it is directed just for you. And no, you're not nearly as grown up as this thing. And, and uh, why would it, you know, pay all this personal attention to you? Well, that solves all those problems and kind of makes a nice little story that is easy to, to, to swallow. It makes sense. So I think that's why a lot of our metaphors, see, these are metaphors, right? The, you know, the angel that, that helps us is, is us or the I, I there, um, the Bob Monroe that, uh, that helps him out. These are metaphors, metaphors for real experiences. So you have these experiences and you need to be able to put them in some kind of context so you can think about them or explain them. So you make up a metaphor, you make up a model, and that's a very obvious model to make up. It sorts of answers all the questions and, and uh, is logically consistent. It just isn't that way actually. But metaphors don't really worry too much about how it is actually. Metaphors want to make something reasonable so that you can deal with it in a profitable way. And for that, it's a very good metaphor. So there's nothing wrong with that metaphor. It's a perfectly good metaphor, but it is just a metaphor, not an actuality. That's one of the problems we humans have coming from this physical world is that we use metaphors and now we somehow have to believe in a reality that, that uh, justifies our metaphor. Instead of having to make that, that reality justify our metaphor, we need to just realize it's a metaphor. It's a good metaphor. It's a metaphor I like. It feels right to me. I resonate with that metaphor and just let it be a metaphor. You see, that requires living gracefully with uncertainty again. You don't know exactly what's going on, but it seems that it's like this, and that has to be good enough. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So, you know, please, uh, everybody watching this, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying, oh, that's wrong. It doesn't work like that. It works like this. I will give you another metaphor that suits me better, you see, because it's more general and not quite so specific. What I tell you would be a different metaphor. So it's not that, you know, that's wrong and I'm right is not the point. Make up the metaphors that suit you, but realize they're just metaphors. Don't put too much stock in trying to make them into physical quote unquote things that that's the way it is and that's the way reality works so mbt doesn't get into that particular metaphor but it has a more general metaphor which is we get what we need and what we've earned or what we deserve so here you are and or somebody is or bob monroe is we talk about bob there he is and he's getting this help and how is he going to integrate that help into his worldview. Well, that's his, that's his way. 
because that's very concrete. This is myself in the future helping me now. Da, 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 da. Just seems to fit well because it's a little more abstract and a little more um, philosophical, I guess, to say, oh, it's the larger consciousness system. Cares about me, right, Jesse? Cares about me. I'm important to it, and it's trying to help me out. So it bubbles up a little something or other that gives me a nudge in the right direction or a little information or pats me on the back and says, good boy, you know, you're doing it right, and uh, or challenges me in some way, and uh, and that's all it is. So that's why I throw all of that into the same metaphorical bag as guides, okay? You've got guides, you've got helpers, you've got uh, your intuition, you've got all these things, and they're all just connections to the larger consciousness system. So I don't break them out into smaller, more uh, concrete metaphors. I just leave it all wrapped up into that one big metaphor is it's your personal interface to the larger consciousness system and let it go at that because the trouble with getting more concrete metaphors is people tend to believe them. Pretty soon it's not a metaphor anymore, it's a fact. And I, you know, so I just leave it at the obvious metaphor, the larger consciousness system, you know, you have an interface to that because you're a valuable part of it and it wants to help you if you're trying to help yourself. And I leave it at that and uh, don't try to make it any more concrete because it just tempts people to turn that more concrete metaphor into a fact. And then all kinds of things can, can follow from that that's not helpful. Now you can have the, what did you say, the, the magic, you know, the magic angel or this and that. Now you can have angel worship and you can have, you know, it goes on and on and on. Once the metaphors become facts, you can, uh, you know, you can do all sorts of things with them. You can have your ancestor worship and you, all the nudges you get are from your ancestors. And then you can have to make offerings and sacrifices to your ancestors to keep them happy. And all sorts of things start to start to create themselves around these metaphors if they're very specific and sound like facts. So I try to avoid that by keeping it uh, more, uh, I don't know, at a higher level. Don't get it down to such a specific level. So I don't uh, disagree with any of those. I think they're perfectly good metaphors. And if they work for you, use them. Uh, don't get carried away with them. Realize they're just metaphors and it'll be just fine. You know, use whatever metaphors work for you. Not that this metaphor is right and that's wrong. Metaphor is a metaphor. If it works for you, use it. When it doesn't work for you, don't. But as long as you know it's a metaphor and it's just your way of describing this function, what happens to you, it's perfectly fine. It's There's not anything wrong with that. It's not like, well, it's not the truth. Remember, we don't ever get anything but the data. We never get what's behind the data. We've never actually touched the source of the data, just the data. So uh, the truth being the source of the data is something we don't get to experience directly. We just experience the data. That's the way it is. That's the way it is with consciousness. We just share data. The truth, we're part of the truth ourselves. We're a piece of consciousness. We're fundamental. See, we're part of that fundamental truth, that source, but we don't see it as something outside of us, some objective thing that's outside of us. All we get is the data that some other piece of consciousness is sending to us. 
or the larger conscious system itself is sending to us. So we are actually a part of that truth, but we don't uh, we don't see that. So that's why we just live uh, with this uncertainty as to exactly what is that larger consciousness system and why is it doing that? Well, those probably aren't good questions to ask. Just take your interface and make of it what you can and go on. If it's helpful, use it. If it doesn't work, let it go. Does that give you kind of perspective? Yeah, yeah, that, that gives me perspective into that metaphor. And uh, a, another part of that question um, that I was kind of hoping to get at is that even even separate from just that metaphor, that the way that Bob wrote about that, uh, some of those experiences, it seemed to me that at the time he would have thought that uh, certain aspects of time could go, you know, kind of backwards or time wasn't as linear as linear, linear as we thought. And I was wondering, you know, with your association with Bob, there at some point between, you know, back then when he wrote those books and when you wrote MBT, you got to the point where all time goes in one direction and, you know, it might go at these kind of different speeds, but it's all going forward. Is Could you, could you point to uh, a reason or a, a, like a specific a time when that, uh, you know, the way that you view that, changed over and did bob also change over no i don't think bob did i think bob was still pretty much in the uh in the mode of what you see is what's there okay you know if you see it if you go there and you experience and you see it then it is a an objective thing there that is like that you see and of course i started out that way you know what i saw was what was there but eventually, as I got bigger and bigger pictures and could tie everything together, uh, you get conflicts when what you see is what is there. You say, well, how come I see this and other people see it differently? If it's there, we should all, just like this physical reality, I see, you know, I, I see the room behind you. I know that when you turn around, you're going to see the exact same thing I'm seeing. You see, it's the way it is in this physical reality. You're going to look back there and there's going to be a door and a doorknob and some, you know, some cloth over something and you know i'll see all that too so we agree on it but once we get into the non-physical it's not like that we kind of have general things that are similar but we don't it's it's very individual what you see because it's no longer objective it's subjective well when everything's subjective that puts a whole different view on it instead of making the subjective just instead of trying to make the subjective objective well, it's really objective. I'm just seeing it in my mind. You have to let the subjective be subjective. It's yours. You know, <laughs> you're seeing it in your mind. You know, you're not seeing anybody else's mind. And everybody else's mind is going to see what's in their mind. And everybody's mind is based on their own set of experiences and information and ego and fear and whatever that makes them interpret the data the way they do. So the subjective really is just subjective. So once I got the bigger picture of how all the things work together, I could get rid of a whole lot of things that were in conflict with each other about the way the world worked. Now everything seemed to work together with that bigger picture. Now with time, sure, you can go backward in time because there's a history database. And you can go back through that database and see all kinds of things going on in the past. And that database is such a marvelous database that you can get into that database and actually live in that past, if you will. Talk to the characters. You know, it's much better than a book in the library. 
you go to a book in a library and you can read about the knights of old, you know, in Camelot, but it's not the same as being there. But in this library, in this database, you can actually step into it and experience it. Okay, because that database is a is a probabilistic rendering, and you are a probabilistic rendering as well. So you can just step right into it and and interact with it. It's kind of a different thing. So that makes everybody think that uh, you know the past still exists. You can go back there and be a part of it. That somehow that past is still chugging along, never changing. It's always just that past, and every past is chugging along. Well, every past then is chugging along, making a, a wholly new future. And that's how we end up with many worlds because we've, we've boxed ourselves in with a concept that doesn't have any rational, logical answer. So now we have this problem with all these paths chugging along, creating new futures and all the futures are different because any spot would be a past that never can change because it's always there. Every time I go back, there's those knights in that same armor, you know, in that same battle, because that's a piece of history. But from there, since they're all alive and well and have still have free will, they must be generating a new future. But then I go back later and they're still there in that same battle in that same armor. And now they must be generating even another new future. You see, so we get in all these logical problems with that. And when I thought about that, the solution was obvious eventually, and that's that time goes in one direction. The past is the past, but we can go back and interact with it in a way that uh, we're not used to being able to do with, the, with our local library. We can interact with it. We can ask questions to it. We can even change things in it, and we can see what our, what our change would have done, what the probable outcome was, it's because this is all about probability and interaction within a probabilistic system. And then suddenly all the things that I experienced fell into line and they all kind of made sense under this one bigger picture. So then I realized that what is time? Time is local to this virtual reality. It's a virtual reality. Every virtual reality has a clock. When I produce virtual realities of, uh, of systems, they all had a clock. It's the delta T loop. In the, you know, otherwise, it's, it's not a simulation. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't do anything if there's no progression of time through the simulation. So when I got to the point that this is information and it's a simulation, then time obviously is just the outer time loop. And it's local to each simulation, to each reality. So we have our own clock ticking around. And other simulations, like where you end up after you die, that's a different virtual reality. It's got its own clock sticking around in that virtual it's got its own rule set and you're just going from one virtual reality to another it's like leaving the world of warcraft and going to the sims you know it's a whole different world out there you know it's a different virtual reality so that's uh you know that's what's going on and then it seemed very obvious that time was a a uh, technology created by this information system to lower its entropy because with time, now you've got another whole dimension in which you can create order. Now you can sequence things. Without time, there is no there are no sequences. There is if this, then that, you know, in a in a time sequence. There's only if this, then that in a in a pattern, but not in time. So time then is like, aha, a great new idea. 
Now, what do you need for time? Well, all you need is a metronome. You need something that can go tick-tock regularly. Well, the whole thing is based on states, right? This digital system is based on states, ones and zeros. So all you need is one of those states to go one, zero, one, zero, one, zero. And there's your clock. Now you've got something that you can, that you have just created time, a whole new dimension in which you can build, construct, and, and uh, lower entropy. So I saw that then if we looked at the, the uh, origin of consciousness and how it must have evolved, time seems a natural thing. But now you can make virtual realities, they have their own clocks. But all of these, the clocks only go in one direction because simulations, though you can run a simulation backwards, a simulation will run if you decrement delta T's, right? It's like running a movie backwards. If every time you go through the cycle, you subtract a little delta T from the time, then you make the movie run backwards. Decision-making and getting the consequences of those decisions only makes sense going forwards. You know, you might want to go backwards for a little bit just to take a look at what happened because your memory is not so good, but basically that'd be like your, uh, you know, your pause and then you rewind and then you say, oh yeah, okay, I got that now. And then you hit forward again and you go. So that might be a little, that might be some useful, but you can do that in the database. So time only is useful going forward where you make choices and there's consequences to your choices. And by those consequences, you evolve and de-evolve based on, on the choices you make and the consequences that you have to, that, of those choices. So that's how I got from um, being very much the same place Bob was. And probably it would be fair to say 30 years later after thousands and thousands of experiences in the larger consciousness system trying to do experiments there where you try to to eliminate all the variables but one and then change that and see how that changes it so you understand what that variable is doing and doing all that sort of thing i just had pile after pile of inconsistency in logic places where the logic just doesn't play so rather than do something that was completely illogical, like saying, oh, well, many worlds, every time somebody sneezes, another universe starts off. Every time uh, an electron switches its spin state, you know, another universe has to go off. And that would explain it. Well, that does explain it theoretically just fine. It's just that it is so inefficient. You can't just keep running off whole universes just because somebody sneezed, you know, that's, uh, well, here's the universe they didn't sneeze in, and here's the universe they sneezed in. You see, it just doesn't uh, make any sense from, from an idea. If you actually have a information system generating all these other information systems over all these trivial issues, doesn't seem like a very smart way to run a you know to run a reality it just seems like that's terribly wasteful of resources so it's much better to have uh time always going forward keep a history database of everything that happened so you can always go back and learn from what happened you don't lose it but it's just history the real free will choice making part of it is chugging along in a forward direction of time and why does time always run forward? Well, it's a del positive delta T in a loop in a simulation. That's why. And everything is a virtual reality. They just have different kinds of rule sets. The only thing that isn't a virtual reality is consciousness itself. That's fundamental. 
But as soon as consciousness created communication protocols so that it could communicate with another chunk of consciousness, which was a chunk of itself, that was a virtual reality. Those communication protocols is a rule set. And now they're exchanging information according to that rule set. And they can only communicate in as much as that rule set allows that, you know, certain kinds of information to be understood. That rule set can change. So everything is basically a virtual reality under control of a rule set, except consciousness itself. And consciousness itself just is. So that uh, that's kind of that whole, you know, all of that stuff's kind of tied together there. So that's why I you know, don't have the I there idea. I think it's fine idea. I just back up to the point where it's just interface to the larger conscious system because once you go past that, you run the you run the risk of taking yourself too seriously and starting to believe in your own metaphors as being facts. So I, I stop with that still being rather uh, abstract. As long as it stays abstract, it's not so likely to be a fact that you uh, start to uh, you know, take too seriously. Great, thank you. Um, Tom Ingeborg has one other question for you. Go ahead, Ingeborg. Yes, no? Yes, so what I want to ask, you know, it fits perfectly to this last question of uh, Greg. Uh, in our museum, we have, uh, we did an experiment in uh, 9th of January. Uh, I, I worked together with a psychotherapist. He, he's a, a specialist in hypnosis, or hypnotherapy. And we made an experiment to revive uh, the ancient healing sleep of the Asclepius, you know, I'm an archaeologist. And uh, we built up an, 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 a sleeping temple in our museum. And we, of course, we had some theoretical uh, input for the for 15 participants. And um, we, we, we showed how the Asclepiaia functioned. And we uh, I explained the ancient gods and the persons, entities who are involved into this healing procedure and then the the um, psychiatrist you know he made a, a about 60 minutes trance uh, a slight uh, very light trance uh, guided uh, healing sleep so and of course it, it worked you know so people had experiences and healing uh, entities or some one entity appeared and people had healing experiences and uh, and, and uh, also I myself uh, the day after I had a very uh, you know uh, um, um, a dream which, which solved many many problems so uh, the, the thing was a success and we want to go on and you know as uh, other persons are involved involved I, I you know I, I want to ask you whether you have some advice uh, whether you think there is uh, something we should be aware of, uh, or if, if we should avoid something. Um, of course, for most people who come to this workshop, um, for them, for them, it's the first uh, um, uh, first um, Gelegenheit. Um, um, <laughs> Oliver, opportunity. opportunity. It's the first opportunity to uh, get access to the larger consciousness, consciousness system. Mm -hmm. So for, for them, it's perfectly new. And 
yes, I, I feel a certain sense of responsibility there. Mm -hmm. The only thing that you should be um, aware of that, that you need to be careful with is, and the only thing that really can create problems inside your system is people coming in with lots of fear. People coming in with lots of fear may find a fearful experience. And the fearful experience may not be very productive for them. It could be counterproductive for them. Um, it's a very difficult thing to know because when you talk to people and they'll go, oh yeah, that's great. I'm really looking forward to this. This is gonna be wonderful. You don't know what sort of fear is lying underneath of all of that happy, smiley exterior. There could be tons of fear and trepidation uh, underneath all of that. So it's a difficult thing to do. You kind of, and, and if somebody wants to do it, it's very, it's impossible to say, oh, you can't because I sense you have too much fear. You see, that's not your place. It's their choice. And um, they're adults. You don't have children here. You know, you might say that to a frightened child. No, we don't want your frightened child to go in there. It may not be good for them. But when they're adults and they want to do it and they have fear, well, you just hope for the best and you try to give them very positive, always very positive uh, um, instructions, very positive things. Don't tell them, well, if the big uh, ugly guy comes out with the three heads and tries to get you, you better get out of there. You know? Don't give them anything like that that they could grab hold of with their fear. Everything has to be positive. This will be fine. There's anything that happened to you. You know, if your imagination gets a little carried away with something scary, just forget about it. Let it go. You know, think of something else. And so as long as you keep it in a very positive framework, then you'll minimize the problems you'll have. But those will be your only problems. If somebody very fearful will get uh, involved in it. See, what you've done is you've created, you've created a tool that people can use that gives them permission to make contact in the larger consciousness system. Because if you just told them, oh, you can just make contact in the larger consciousness system and do this and this and this, they'd go, huh? I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. But if you say, look, we have this process. Now you just go in and you lie down and you do this and you empty your mind and da, 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 da. You give them your process and you make it a very positive process. That's a tool where they can give themselves permission to do what you're telling them and then to connect, make their own connections, you see. So that's what you've done. You've created this, this tool for them that they can't do it without the tool because otherwise it would be impossible for them to do this. But once you give them the right tool, now with, within the context of that tool, they can do it and do it very well. And so it's a very good thing you see that you've done. You just created a, created a tool. The tool has to have a certain amount of credibility that goes with it, which is, of course, the story that you tell them and what it is and the gods involved and da 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 da, da. So you give them all that. That builds up a credibility to the tool. And then when they get in there, they have permission to use the tool and see what happens. And that's the other thing. Make sure that all the people come in there with no expectations. And particularly the ones that have been through there and had a real positive experience. When they come in again, they're going to want to repeat that experience. And you have to encourage them. Have no expectations. It'll be what it is. You just need to open yourself to it and you will get what you get. 
and that will optimize they'll have more they'll have better experiences more often if they go in with no expectations than if they go in with an expectation that it needs to be sort of like it was the last time because that was really good and then they're disappointed because it's not like that anymore because now they're no longer just open like they were now they're targeted on a particular kind of event and they've just gotten in their own way you see so uh, yeah it's a very good thing it sounds like a, a wonderful tool and uh, you need to be very positive with it and keep people feeling like uh, something is you know something good can happen but you have to let it happen and you have to have no idea exactly what it is or how it'll manifest it could be like you had a dream afterwards it could be it could be anything and it may not even be in your intellectual mind but uh, go in there with some intent with some idea of what you'd like how you'd like to grow how you'd like to you know you know learn from this but only a vague idea nothing too specific because now you're getting back to expectations so uh, yes good job uh, a lot of, you know let a lot of people get it eventually um, you know, people will get too wrapped up in their own expectations because they've done it four or five times and now they want it to happen and then it won't happen for them and then they'll be a little displeased with it because it's not happening for them anymore because what it is is they're just not so open to it anymore. They're, they now have preset, you know, preconceived notions of what's supposed to happen and why and how and that gets in their way. So as much as you can keep that from happening, that's good. But uh, yeah, it's your own, it's your own tool, and uh, it's a perfectly good one. More people can build more tools. We'd have a lot more people with these experiences that would understand the larger reality. But of course, there's nothing magic about the tool. What you're doing is helping them do something themselves that otherwise they wouldn't be able to do. You're putting them in a situation where they are doing what they do. It's not you're doing anything to them or doing anything for them you're really creating a situation where they can do it themselves. And they're not aware of that. They think that you're doing something that's external to them that helps them you know, have this experience. But all you're doing is giving them an environment where they can have the experience themselves. But that's a very valuable thing to give to someone. 